Hey there, this is Meg. I'm your host, and you are listening to Mental Status, a podcast about burnout for people in the mental health profession. Quick disclaimer, because you know that stuff is important these days. Uh, Mental Status is a podcast about burnout in the mental health field. It's for entertainment and educational purposes only. This is not therapy, and this is not clinical supervision. There are no CEUs associated with this podcast. Enjoy it and share it as you will. And if you're in a space where you're needing deeper support, please seek out therapy or supervision for yourself from somebody who is qualified to provide those services for you. Okay, here we go. Hi, everybody. Hi, it's me. It's Meg. (laughs) I'm back. Um back here on the podcast today. Uh, it feels like it's been a while. It kind of has. Um, you may have noticed if you're a regular listener of the show that um, recently the cadence of episodes has switched mostly to every other week. Um, that wasn't like <laughs> that wasn't like an official decision. It probably should have been. Um, but it was more of a uh, I'm tired. <laughs> decision. Um, largely because when I edit these episodes and, um, or when I record the solo episodes, it's usually on a Sunday after I've just gotten done seeing clients all day. Uh, Sunday's a work day for me and I typically have Tuesdays and Mondays and Tuesdays off. So this is like, it's kind of like my Friday afternoon. Um, And I think there was, I was getting to a point there where, um, I I had been working really hard, um, which I think I've talked about a little bit in recent episodes. At least I think I have, maybe I haven't. This is, this is where it gets to y'all. I don't even remember what I've talked about, but I have been working a lot lately and it's good for me to be able to admit that here on the podcast, uh, because obviously this show is about uh, therapists and other mental health providers who are overworked and burnt out. Um, It's a little interesting because I'm not quite sure that I reached burnout necessarily, although uh, of course my husband may disagree with me. He may decide that that is not at all accurate. Um, But, you know, kind of in reflecting on my internal process over the past several weeks, or at least in the past couple of months, really, um, I think a few things have been going on, Um, especially since around the holidays, um, things have been actually like business wise, things have been going really well, which is really cool. Um, I started my practice officially. Like I I opened the doors officially to all clients in October of 2021, immediately after I got my independent license. Um, I had had the business established prior to that um, and had been working with a supervisor, seeing a select few clients. And then when I got my license, I was ready to go open for business and it was really exciting. Um, Because at the same time, when I 
when I went um, full-time with my practice, I was phasing out of a group practice, and that was a whole kind of like month and a half long process um, of, you know, obviously transitioning care for a lot of clients and um, transitioning myself to working in person to a more, well, completely virtual setting. And that was the best decision I could have made for myself. I'm really glad that I did that. Um, And as I was making that change into my own private practice, um, around the same time, like right around the time that I had left the group practice, um, I started... (laughs) I started a new uh, Instagram presence, I suppose you you could call it, um, the anti-work therapist, um, which is, it's really just been an expansion of the things that I've talked about on the show. It's been an expansion of, um, you know, the topic of burnout and the topic of overworked therapists, underpaid therapists, um, all of us who are just feeling really like out at sea, I suppose. Um, and so I, I channeled a lot of the energy that I got from this show and all the things that I'd been working on into that page and growing that presence there. And what happened after that, um, things like they just grew really quickly. Uh, I called it like a major expansion period because at the time that I was still doing this podcast. I was still recording fairly frequently on Mondays, which is technically my Saturday. Um, I was doing the podcast, recording this, starting my own private practice, actively trying to like bring clients in. So I was doing a lot of networking efforts, um, marketing efforts, working on my website, things like that. Um, I had additionally been contacted by some folks that I'd connected with locally to start a networking group for self-pay clinicians. I was like, that's so fucking cool. Of course I want to be part of that. (laughs) And basically what I'm describing here to all of you is my, um, my Gemini energy. Um, I don't, I don't know if y'all are into astrology. If you are, that's cool. If you're not, you can just skip over this part. Um, I'm a cancer sun and a Virgo rising, but my moon is Gemini. And so I have this constant restlessness about me, mostly internal, um, because on the outside, of course, with that Virgo rising energy, I can seem very like chill. (laughs) Um, But on the inside, there's a whole lot going on most of the time. Um, And for the most part, the people who see that from me are the ones who are closest to me or the ones who um, work with me. They see how that energy works. So I've got that restless energy about me. And honestly, I was, I was just, I was really excited. It was a really amazing period of growth for me where I was finally feeling like, okay, I've had some really, uh, draining and trying experiences in this process of getting my license and I've, I've made it right. You you know, that point where like, if you have your license, your independent license, when you get that, either you get the letter or the email or the phone call, however they contact you to say, Hey, you're in, there's just this like rush of, I mean, for me, there was a rush of relief. Um, 
there was a little bit of just like a letdown feeling like, oh, okay, so I've done that. What now? And the what now for me was, of course, the private practice and the anti-work therapist and this podcast and also the local networking group. I'm giving you all this information because I want to put some context to how um, how easy it is to find ourselves back in the places that we didn't want to be. And so I, I guess as I'm talking through this, I can, I can admit I was probably burning out. Um, but the difference, the difference for me with this time around and what makes it interesting is that I was burning out on all of the shit that I was creating for myself, all of these different opportunities and creative pursuits. And that was different too. Like these, each, each thing that I had become involved in was an inherently creative thing for me. Um, obviously producing a podcast, there's a lot of creativity that goes into that. Um, there's a lot of creativity that goes into the the Instagram presence and the marketing that I was doing and the way that I was choosing to uh, represent myself um, online as a business owner and as a therapist. I got really excited about it, really into it, all the way through the end of 2021. And I found in basically mid-January, early to mid-January, I had I hit a wall and it happened really quickly to the point where I was kind of surprised by it. Um, I had hit a wall and I was feeling creatively blocked. I was feeling a little empty and lethargic. Um, I didn't, I didn't really want to keep doing anything. I just wanted to sit, but when I would sit, (laughs) I would work myself into a frenzy because there was so much that needed to be done. And this whole like pattern or process on the outside, seems fairly typical. Um, you can look at it as an observer and say, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense that you would, um, that you'd feel that way. <laughs> but when you're in it, and this is the thing, when you're in it, it's really hard to see. It's really hard to see it as it's happening, which is why, um, you know, a show like this has been so, it's been so helpful for me even. I mean, I've, I've talked to some folks, a number of people who have said that the show has helped them really come to understand what it might look like in the process of burning out. But for myself, it's really stopped me and forced me to reflect on the things that I'm doing and the way that I approach my work and the way that I think about my work. And, you know, when, when these moments come up where I'm burning out and I'm getting tired and I don't want to do anything and I'm feeling disillusioned, being able to recognize that for what it is, which is a symptom of overwork. In this case, um, it was just me (laughs) overworking myself. Like there wasn't a boss. There was not some supervisor breathing down my neck about productivity or billing or notes. It was just me. And I was carrying around this like 
this dual self of boss and employee. And both of them had very different ideas about what was supposed to happen and when. And a lot of the time, uh, the employee part of me, the, the worker part, would fight back pretty hard and say, fuck this. I'm showing up for my clients and everything else can wait. Um, I'm not there anymore. <clears throat> and I think part of that, if, I, if I'm being honest, like the weather affects me. It's winter and I live in Indiana, northern Indiana. So it gets cold and gray and we have a lot of long stretches with not a lot of sunshine and it can get hard through those winter months to um, find your vigor and get out there and feel energized, at least for folks like me who struggle with the seasonal stuff. Um, Part of what I had to do, though, in this process of (sighs) reclaiming my time and reducing some of the burnout I was feeling was really being able to have a difficult conversation with myself and with other people, primarily with my husband, about really honestly just needing to slow my fucking roll and to start cutting out some stuff that really nobody else was asking for. Like I had just decided that I had to do the things and then I was doing it and felt resentful towards myself, but also towards other people in the process. Like, so the example of that is I, um, God, when did I come up with the idea? When I started the anti-work therapist Instagram page, I had started it with the intention of creating community because I've always talked about wanting people around me, which is, I'll get there eventually. I'm being kind of long-winded right now, but this, the show is, um, this episode is about loneliness as therapists, but I'd wanted to create community. So I created a subscription-based membership site where people can come in and have a more like focused, um, perspective on a lot of the stuff that contributes to overwork and burnout and being exploited as a therapist. So that was great. All right. I started that membership space. It's fun. We've got people in there. It's kind of a weekly check-in type of thing. I like it. Uh, but that wasn't enough for me, obviously. It just was not enough. <laughs> so uh, again, coming back to that Gemini moon energy, it's like, well, the membership space is great, but I really feel like the next logical step is to do group coaching. So I have to do that now. And I spent about a month really conceptualizing a group coaching program and like coming up with the modules. I didn't create all the content, but I was setting up the flow and the structure and the scheduling and really focusing in on what it needed to look like. And then when I felt comfortable enough with that, I announced it. It's like, all right, everybody starting in April, we're going to be doing the uh, unfuck your practice I think is what I called it. Yeah, Unfuck Your Practice group coaching program. I was really excited, uh, at least initially. But what really tipped me off that something was wrong is when I announced that and made it known to people that I was doing that, instead of um, like getting some momentum behind it and really trying to recruit people in and feeling excited, 
I got this overwhelming sense of dread <laughs> because I could I could see coming toward me the train of overwork and filling my plate too full. I could see it coming and I was inviting it toward me. I had like basically stepped onto the tracks with this train headed towards me and I was like, this will be fine. It'll be fine. It'll stop before it gets to me. I'll be able to handle it or maybe the load will be lightened. It's not that bad. But I just, I kept having this persistent sense of like, I'm going and going and going and going and creating new things all over the place for myself. And it got to a point where I was starting to feel depressed (laughs) about this thing that I had by myself without anybody asking for it created and decided to put forth into the world. And it was really at that point where I started to recognize like, this is affecting my mood. This is affecting my ability to like feel present. I can't do this. I can't spend more of my time worrying about this group coaching program right now because I don't have the bandwidth. The moment I was able to just admit that and tell myself, okay, we're going to postpone this. It's not canceled forever. We're just waiting. I felt so good. To be quite honest, I felt so good canceling, canceling the the original date, right? I think it was supposed to start on April 1st, which is a couple weeks from now. Um, Canceling that, that initial start date and postponing it for some later time, which is still undecided. And it was really good for me. Um, And I shared that process with people online and was kind of surprised by the positive reception to that. I don't know that I expected anybody to be mad at me. Um, I definitely, I didn't expect that. I maybe would have expected people to like, maybe just not care. Uh, but the, the response that I got from folks was actually very positive and encouraging. Um, and I, I think what I, what I heard from some, some folks was it's really good to see somebody going through this process, realizing that it's not working, and instead of doubling down, actually taking the time to step away from it um, and to to not just take it on, just, just to do it um, because there's some pressure from like an internal pressure to keep going or there's that pressure from like hustle culture uh, whatever the fuck you call it, rise and grind. I hate that. Um, I wasn't going to do it. And the response, it was positive. People appreciated that. And so that, that really helped me feel better. Um, I already felt good about making that decision, but we all like some validation every now and then, don't we? So that was nice. Um, and since then, I feel like that gave me some permission to really evaluate the other parts of my business life, um, from everything from my fee that I'm charging in my therapy service to the type of service that I'm offering, um, trying to, you know, get a better picture of my summer schedule. Uh, I have some clients who are 
potentially going to be phasing out before the summer. And so looking at that and telling myself, well, if those time slots open up, I have the choice of not filling them. I can actually give myself some time (laughs) to not do that. So that whole process has been really nice for me. I mean, it's it doesn't go super quickly, especially when, when you're talking about these situations where you do you do need to be considerate of the other people involved, as, as is the case with client care. Um, and every decision that I make in regard to my private practice is going to be with that in mind. Um, but with these other creative projects, there's been a little bit more room for me to say, you know, you've been creating a ton of pressure for yourself that... <laughs> Again, nobody's really asked for you to do this. You don't have to. People probably won't be mad. And if they are, like, you can handle that shit. You can do it. Anyways, oh my god, I've spent 20 minutes talking about this. I guess it was <laughs> it was kind of a thing. Um, that's an explanation of why the show has gone to every other week for now. And I feel good about it. And it might change. I, you know, the show will be released semi-consistently. I'm not going anywhere. The pace of it will change, but I'm still here. Um, And if you're joining me now and you haven't listened to previous episodes, I think I've got 31 other ones that you can listen to at this point if you're wanting more uh, while you're waiting for me to come out with other episodes. So that's that. Um, That was really long-winded. Thank you for sticking through that with me. Um, (laughs) So now I'm going to go into the primary topic of the show, or maybe the second second topic. Like tripping over my words here. The primary and or just other topic being uh, loneliness as a therapist. Um, And this ties in a little bit to what I was just talking about, um, you know, people talking about how it can be really helpful to have somebody else say the thing that they've wanted to say, um, but haven't either haven't known to say it or known how or felt comfortable. Um, and that's really something that I've been trying to do in my life recently is when there's something on my mind after I've had some time to process through it and just kind of think about how I want to approach it. Um, I'm making it a practice to talk about it and to talk about it with people who uh, may be impacted by it or who have some skin in the game, um, who maybe just need to hear it. So that's why I landed on the topic of loneliness as a therapist. Um, It's actually been a little bit It's felt kind of like it's been in the zeitgeist a little bit lately, this loneliness feeling. Um, The day that I'm recording this is Sunday, March 13th, 2022, which is exactly two years since uh, in the United States, they declared COVID-19 a public health emergency or pandemic, whatever. Um, So we've, we've got two, right now I'm recording this two years after this life-changing, generation-changing event, which is still, like, it's not over um, at this point in time. Like, 
we're a couple months out from the Omicron, Omicron surge. Um, and so things have settled, but there's still that feeling of it just like, you don't know. So when it comes to loneliness, um, one of the things that has really been on my mind recently has been, you know, in relationship to the pandemic, I mean, I don't really need to go into much detail explaining or talking about how the vast majority of majority of us um, lost a lot of in-person uh, interaction. And for some of us, we still have not returned to that. Um, whether that's for health reasons or it just doesn't make sense uh, logistically, um, there's there's a whole number of reasons why we may not be re-emerging into the world at this point. Um, for myself, I have gradually re-emerged. Um, I've started going to a CrossFit gym, which has been pretty cool. Um, and I more recently have been to a grand total of one networking event, um, which is uh, something I did a couple days ago down in Indianapolis, which was kind of cool. Um, but overwhelmingly, and I think from here on out, I, I may speak in some generalizations, but it's largely my own experience. Um, up until recently, like, there's there's been just a big sense of not having community around and as much as I love the people that I've met virtually uh, through this podcast and through you know some of the social media interactions and um, some of the virtual networking that I've done there's been such a large component of being together that has been missing. Um, and it's like, I'm an introvert mostly. And so I do relatively well on my own. Um, I can spend days <laughs> like doing my own thing. And for the most part, I'm, I'm cool with it, right? Like I can, I can, I can hang that way, but two years, um, I'm coming to find there's a limit to my introversion. I feel like I, I trend more towards the middle. I have my definite moments of extroversion and definite moments of introversion. And I think what's been revealed to me through this pandemic experience is that I may not need tons of acquaintances and, and lots of people to fill my space and all these different things, like I can get pretty easily overwhelmed if I have too many people that I'm trying to keep up with simultaneously, um, at least in my personal life. But I found that the sweet spot for myself is within those spaces where there's some kind of intentional community, maybe a gathering of, could even be two or three of us, all the way up to like 10 to 15 people where we're there to be with each other. Um, so part of my story prior to coming to Indiana and prior to COVID-19, um, just a, a little bit of backstory here is I got sober in 2016. Yeah, 2016. 
I always have to think about that. It was right before the election, which was fun. Um, I got sober in the summer of 2016. And because alcohol had been a primary way that I entered social situations, suddenly that was gone. Um, And I was dating somebody at the time who was still drinking, um, not problematically in in any way. Um, But their social interactions still involved alcohol and mine no longer did. And so there was this growing sense of disconnect. And I was missing something uh, in my social life. And it reached a bit of a boiling point. I think uh, it was the fall of that year. It had been a couple months of sobriety. And at that point, um, I just, I started feeling really lonely. And to clarify, this is before I, I had even started internships for, for being a therapist. I was only in school at this point. Um, and I remember feeling absolutely overwhelmed with a sense of loneliness and watching as, as I saw what I thought to be like other people having those opportunities and having those connections and really being close with each other and it's really good friendships. And I felt very much like an outsider to that. I was watching from outside of the circle. And I mean, I, I remember a few times like kind of sitting in my own shit with it and, um, crying with my then partner and just telling them about how lonely I felt looking like I think in that moment I was looking for a a solution which you know lord knows like you can't that's not how that works (laughs) you can't just tell someone that you're lonely and then have them give you a community of people like I don't know maybe it happens I can't I can't say for sure but that was not the case for me So I had this intense experience of being really lonely and I wasn't looking for tons and tons of people to hang out with. I just needed some kind of connection that felt genuine to me. And so from that experience, once I had gone through that, I guess it was kind of a grieving process of being acutely lonely. um, I went on to meet up and I found a couple groups and I tried going and it was fine And eventually it got to the point where I was like, I'm just gonna make something of my own. I'm going to create a community of my own. And so I created um, a a creative writing group, which ended up being, it's one of those things. It's like one of those pivotal decisions that you make in your life where you're not, there's no way that you can be aware in the moment what is going to happen as a result of that decision. Um, But I can say without a doubt, I'm speaking to you here from this microphone because I started that group. Um, Because the chain of events were such that I did end up making a really fantastic community that eventually it started to grow and run itself. It didn't require tons and tons of energy and effort on my part to make sure it kept going. The longer I was there and the more consistently I showed up, the more people wanted to participate and the more they wanted to make it their own. Um, That group is where I met my husband. 
uh, he was a, a member of the group who showed up and uh, he was a member for about a year before we started dating. And, you know, th- that group is, it's kind of the format that I used to um, create, create a sense of belonging for myself um, and which I had repeated back to me by other people is this is my Saturday morning group. This is where I go. Like this is, this is the thing. It's part of my routine. And it was amazing. Um, you know, there, there were of course like some of the struggles that anybody has when they're trying to manage a community, um, you know, keeping safety and managing members who, um, <laughs> maybe creating an environment that's uncomfortable, there was, there was some of that there. Um, but by and large, it was, it was an amazing experience. Um, and actually when I ended up moving to Indiana, there were three, there were, at the time there were four people who, um, had volunteered to basically take on my role as hosts and like organizers. So, I mean, that gives you a, an idea of like the scope of organizing the thing for people wanted to do that. Um, and even, even to this day, um, I'm pretty sure yesterday on Saturday, they met, they're meeting virtually still, um, but they've been keeping it up. And that was a really profound thing for me because it was an experience of creating community and being embraced by community um, and really like finding a place where I didn't just feel like I could go and hang out, but there was a real sense of belonging. Now, how this relates to therapists, I'm getting there, <laughs> I promise. Um, with therapists, uh, it seems to me that a lot of us are told, you know, in our early careers or even in grad school, um, to be, to be aware of the fact that loneliness is a thing that being, especially if you're in private practice, being in those types of environments can be isolating. And that's something they talk about. Same with burnout, where it's like, these are some of the signs. This is what you might notice. You're going to want to have a self-care plan and blah, blah, blah. Great. Let's, yep. We just touch on that real briefly and then move on what they don't talk about and maybe what is just they can't really explain in grad school and in those early career moments they can't explain the type of loneliness you feel there's not really a good way to describe it in a way that's brief or quote-unquote professional enough to help people really understand um And again, this is coming from my experience, so your mileage may vary. But lately, I have felt that same sense of overwhelming loneliness. Uh, My circumstances are different now than they were before. Instead of having just gotten sober, um, I've been living in a new state, in a new community, uh, where I don't know anybody except my husband and his family. And I've been here, this summer will be two years. And when I moved here, there was uh, 
basically a conversation with my husband and I where we agreed once once my stepson has graduated from high school where our plan is to leave this town we're not intending to stick around it doesn't it doesn't have what we need at this point in time so we just had basically decided we will be here until that point in time and then we're gone so there's always been this sense of like wanting wanting to be able to connect um but there being barriers to that so socially the place where i live right now is in a lot of ways pretty opposite <laughs> of my own um my own belief systems and the way that i tend to approach things um there's a bigger focus on religion than what i am accustomed to in my own experiences and so that's that's a large part of the culture here uh, and one in which i don't find myself drawn to um and there's just i mean generally speaking when you move to a place with the intention of leaving that automatically creates the sense of don't get too comfortable so essentially what's been happening is uh, i've been absolutely pouring myself into my work because if i can't really feel comfortable where i am might as well do something productive with my time and build a business and all this stuff and make basically make connections elsewhere in the world, whether it's two hours south of me in Indianapolis or across the country in California or New York. Um, and those connections have been really good. And as I'm, as I've been talking about, and as, as I've come to learn, as many of us have, there's nothing that can replace having that intentional in-person community. So in being a therapist in that type of position with the world sort of re-emerging, kind of like it did last year, but cautiously, people are starting to come back out. It's almost spring. There's this sense of optimism about things. That has been really nice. And at the same time, my own struggles in creating community here have created that sense of loneliness that is, it's fairly unique to this type of job that we have. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. Um, as therapists, we spend huge, huge amounts of emotional energy and time caring for other people and holding space for them and paying attention using those active listening skills. Um, if you see, you know, anybody, even if you only have one client a day, there's a lot of energy that goes into preparing for that, being within it, and then all of the wrap up that you have to do, right? Like the end of session routines, and then you got to do your notes, which is basically reliving the session anyways. You got to be mindful of all the ethical stuff and the, the record keeping, all that, all that shit. So we spend a lot of time focused on other people and caring for them and listening to their stories and providing feedback and skills and holding space and hearing really heavy things. And that's, that is part of the job. That is what we all signed up for. And we know that, and we all know that our clients have absolutely zero 
responsibility to us to hold space for us or like do the things for us that we do for them. That's not part of it. So very naturally, we're creating this space where we are very other person focused while at the same time needing to be aware of how we are reacting, how we're feeling, what's going on inside and acting accordingly. And this is, this is where it gets interesting because we are in spaces for so much of our work life where we are actively creating and cultivating opportunities for a lot of intimacy, a lot of that like sharing of the self where somebody is coming in, you know, if they're, if they're in that deep work, they're really in that deep work and they're digging around and you're down there with them examining things, getting to the root of, you know, what, what's bringing them to therapy in the first place. Um, some of those, those bigger questions. And even if you're not doing that really intense, deeper work, you're probably sitting with folks who are struggling. Um, you're helping them build insight. You're helping them build skills, learning how to care for themselves. Um, in some of those situations where somebody is at risk, you are actively taking steps to, to, to reduce harm, to mitigate that risk. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of people-centered work that is very focused on the other, as it should be. And so when it comes to us, we are spending a lot of time in relationship with other people in a space where that is, you know, if, if things go according to plan as a therapist, that's the only space we're really going to see them. We don't have any type of participation in their life. Otherwise, they have no form really of participation in ours. I know that like in some communities, there's the like, you just can't avoid it, right? Like maybe your hairstylist is your client because you live in a small town and that's the way it needs to be. But other than that, like we don't, we don't have the type of relationship with our clients that we maybe feel like we could based on the energy that we've given to the relationship. And so as we are working toward helping our clients and holding that space for them and really creating that type of container where those, those moments can happen, where they can be real with us and we can have really genuine interactions with them. When you close that down at the end of the day, Maybe if you're, te- you're, you're a teletherapist, you shut your laptop. Uh, if you're in person, maybe you close that office door and it's all just gone, right? <clears throat> and all of the events of the day, everything that you've heard and talked about, it's all contained within that space. And of course, like there's always this, this topic of conversation around like, bringing your clients stories home with you and you know doing things to reduce the impact of the work on your own mental health those are those are definitely things that we want to be mindful of Um, but when it comes to day in and day out creating an open inviting space for other people and holding that space and creating intimate connections that are ultimately gone, 
that can be like, that's, that's part of what (laughs) comes to mind for me when I think of intimacy. And as I'm talking about this, I want to make it really clear, like, there's no part of me that wants to change the rule book to say like, oh, well, the clients should hold space for me. Like, that's not, that's not what this is. I'm very clear and appreciative of the boundaries that have ethically and legally been put in place for the profession because it's really important that when clients come to us, they can feel like this is a space where I am able to be seen and energetically held and appreciated in a non-judgmental way by this person who has, through their choices of profession, declared that they will be there for me in this and that I don't this is the space where I don't have to caretake for anybody else, right? That's the ideal. And with all of that being said, I still want to validate the fact that each and every one of us in doing this work is creating this space and holding it and having interactions, which I hope really do feel genuine with the people that we're meeting with. And that those things are not things that we can bring with us into our lives. That's where that isolation comes from. That's where that loneliness comes from. We're creating intimate connections every day, but they are not ours, if that makes sense. And so we shut the laptop or we close the door. And my hope is that a lot of us go home to friends and family who are very welcoming and open and like, receptive to the needs that we have to the point where we can participate fully within those relationships and feel good because it's reciprocal. I mean, I know that for myself with my husband, I'm really lucky because he is really open and receptive to listening to me talk about the challenges and the things that I love and all of the administrative shit that we all have to do that I like I always describe it like I'm dragging myself through the mud trying to get this stuff done. Um, I feel lucky in that regard. And I still feel lonely. And so I, I have to imagine and believe that there are a lot of us who, even if we have really wonderful connections with people in our personal lives... There is a loneliness that comes with this job that is hard to describe. And that would go, you know, even more so for those of us who maybe don't have those types of connections that we would want or need. If we don't feel like we have the people in our lives, in our personal lives, who can make space for us, who can hold space, um, even if like... Obviously, it doesn't need to be a therapeutic space, but who can hold space for us and provide us with the connection that our minds and our nervous systems and our bodies have been creating all day, but haven't had full access to because of the nature of the job. With this for myself and the loneliness, I mean, I got to admit, I'll be, I'll be perfectly transparent here. Um, I, I kind of threw a fit last night (laughs) and for me, a fit basically looks like silently crying while I'm washing the dishes because I'm not a big externalizer of my emotions. Um, but there, 
the details are not super important, but essentially, like, I was super tired from the day, and my husband was tired, and the day prior to that had been a really long, like, kind of grueling one for both of us, so my reserves were pretty low, Um, and my husband had just made some comment about uh, a request that he wanted to make when I washed the dishes that night, and that immediately set off just like a torrent of how could you ask me? You know how much I do and I'm so tired and yesterday was fucking awful and I can't believe this and nobody appreciates me. (laughs) I really like, I really let myself get into it. And he was rightfully pretty surprised um, when I got snippy with him and made some kind of passive aggressive remarks as I was on my way to the kitchen. But it was one of those moments that was really important for me to be able to experience for myself and later on try to make, make some efforts at repairing with him. Um, my, as I call it, my temper tantrum. But what was coming out from me in that moment was this deep, overwhelming sense of disconnection from people in general in my life, um, that I had felt like Recently, I'd been making a lot of efforts at connecting with other people, um, both professionally and in my personal life, and that, you know, there'd been, there'd been up and ups and downs with that, and I was feeling impatient. And this, this, um, what do we want to call it? The part of me that was not as inhibited in its emotional expression, um, it's just like, it really wanted to cry and feel that and feel the weight of two years of loneliness and two years of basically dissociating into my work and not paying attention to the world around me other than to feel stressed out about it or angry at it. And it wanted to really make it clear to me that this wasn't just, obviously this was not about the request about the dishes. Uh, it was more than that. This was really about like, Hey, listen, <laughs> um, you have been going without like genuine human interaction with people other than family for two years, two, two years. Um, and, and with that feeling of loneliness and disconnection from, from community, it, allowed me to pave the way to acknowledge um, a lot of the deep grief that I've been holding um, about the state of the world and about everything that's happened. I mean, primarily in the past two years, but quite honestly, since, you know, probably 2016, maybe even earlier than that. And just acknowledging how absolutely radically the world has changed and there's been so little of that change, like a fraction of that change has even seemed remotely within my control. And I mean, even the community piece, there are parts of that that are within my control. There are parts where I can reach out to people and create these online spaces and 
have this podcast and talk to people and those have been filling for the most part. But in that moment last night when I was really just having a good cry about it and when I was finally able to like lay down in bed and just talk, try to talk as best I could with my husband about it. I mean, initially it was hard for me to find the words because it felt like there was a lot spinning up in my mind. Um, but eventually the words that, that came out and that needed to come out were just feeling really disconnected, uh, and feeling disconnected from people that I wanted to be connected to and how painful that process is to know that and see it and feel like you're doing something about it, but seeing that that effort isn't producing what you want at first, right? So that's kind of like a, that's a, a, a an open window into what I've been going through lately in wanting to talk about it, similar in the way that I want to talk about burnout to normalize it. I also want to normalize that loneliness and this sense of feeling disconnected as a therapist is normal. It happens. It happens to a lot of us. And like burnout, loneliness is a thing that for whatever reason, we feel very hesitant, I guess, to admit. Like to admit that you're lonely is to admit that something's wrong with you. Like, well, you're only lonely because nobody wants to hang out with you. And so that probably means that there's something wrong, which is not the case. Um, it's that loneliness is a really, really common experience that brings up a lot of painful stuff and it can be easier to plaster over that with productivity or like putting on whatever kind of face you need to put on or superficial interactions, um, maybe being a bit preoccupied with different things all of this stuff to cover up the sense of being lonely. And this is where <laughs> if, um, if I like, if I had a thing to give you, I would, um, if I had a solution, I would. And I, I, I do think that there's a solution, but, um, it's not, it's not a quick fix. Same, same as what happens more often than not with burnout is it's a process to get to get out of loneliness and to find your space and your community it's a process that takes intentionality and it takes um, probably a bit of patience probably doing some stuff that feels awkward or scary or unfamiliar to you um, it's a process that to be quite honest it, like it it can be boring too. Like when you're, when you're in the process of meeting people and making connections, there's at least for me, this hope that it'll go quickly and we'll be good friends. And then we'll just like do all the stuff, but it takes time. It takes time to get there. And I constantly have to remind myself of that. And I'm also trying to remind myself of what this type of severe, extreme, I don't know, this type of loneliness, what it has done for me in the past and how it has propelled me forward. 
because even when I've had those experiences, like I described before, when I first got sober, had those experiences of feeling very disconnected and having it seem kind of hopeless or endless, that was something that pushed me in the direction of basically creating, it was a creative writing group, right? It's a, it's a place where we would meet, write some stuff, read it out loud, and then go to coffee. It's fairly simple, but it profoundly affected so many different parts of my life. And it, it changed the direction of things for me in a really ultimately positive way. So that, (laughs) that was kind of an unstructured ramble, but that's how I roll. If you've listened to me for any length of time, that's my, that's my thing. So, um, I appreciate you listening this far. Um, if you are feeling lonely, I'll extend the offer to you to reach out and say hello. I do like it when people say hello. I know that communicating through email and direct messages and all that shit, it's not the same. But regardless, if you just want someone to say hi to, I always appreciate it when people say hello. Um, So you can reach me then if you want to do that, if you want to say hi. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at mentalstatuspod. Um, I'm also on that new page I was talking about. It's the anti-work therapist, uh, all one word. I'm pretty active on there. I'm having fun creating content. Um, You can also contact me. I hope I get get this right. I should know this, you guys. Why don't I know my email? I think it's mentalstatuspod at (laughs) gmail.com. It'll be in the show notes. You can find the email in the show notes. Um... (laughs) I just have to laugh at myself. I'm such, such an unorganized person. Sometimes I just, I need to love it about myself. Otherwise I'd cry. Um, (laughs) anyways, that's what I have for you today. I do hope that, um, if you are feeling lonely, that you can connect with me or someone else. Maybe, maybe use this as the sign that, it's time for you to start creating your own community or seeking out the community that feels good to you. Um, you're always welcome to join us at the, uh, the anti-work therapist collective space, which you can learn more about on my Instagram page. Um, that's got a, uh, currently the monthly membership fee is $25 a month. It would be wonderful to see you in there. And yeah, um, it's five o'clock, um, and today is daylight savings time, <laughs> so it's, it's brighter than normal at five. I feel like I should go outside, so I think I might do that, even though I have notes to do and other shit. I don't care. Anyways, thank you so much for making it to the end of this ramble. Uh, I do deeply appreciate each and every one of you who listens. That really does mean a lot to me. And I will see you next time.